War crimes are being committed every day. It's horrific. And yet, we owe it to not only ourselves, but everyone we meet to try to keep our hearts open and available to all beings at all times. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd.
Tenje Chagarambe Ema During war times, is there a specific mantra? I know we pray for peace always, but if, but if there is one that is for unity or something. Well, in different traditions, <clears throat> different traditions, there are uh, different kinds of practices. In uh, Tibetan Buddhism, there's many practices to remove negativity and obstacles and to uh, overcome adversity and negative uh, forces, powers, and negativity, which is all comes from our minds, our emotions and minds. So uh, I don't know any particular mantras for like that, but Hanuman mantra, Hanumanji is the destroyer of calamities, remover of obstacles, bestower of grace. Uh, so praying to Hanuman to restore the, the, the natural, the balance, the dharmic balance, the harmony in the world is a great thing. And of course, Ram, Krishna, all the, all the great beings, we pray to them, may they be victorious over our own negativity. I thought, another question, I thought Shama was a name of Krishna. Shama, Sham is Krishna. Shama means the dark colored female. Shama makes it a female name. So it's one of the names of the dark colored the dark goddess, Kali, Shama. Gauri, Shama Gauri, and uh, uh, so yeah, Shama, the long A at the end, Shama makes it the feminine 
and it refers to Kali, the dark goddess, a dark colored goddess. Krishna is visualized as a dark, bluish gray, deep, dark rain cloud. That's his color, considered to be his color, they say. I haven't seen, so I don't know. That's it. Just a few questions. Nin, that's it? Yeah? That's all we have now. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is Katie reading these days? Katie's reading a book called... Uh, well, Katie, there's two new translations of the Tulsidas Ramayana, the Ram Charitamanas. One is a penguin multi-volume book, and the other one is by Philip Lutkendorf, who wrote a great book on Hanuman called Hanuman's Tale, T-A-L-E. And it's a really great book, a lot of stories about Hanuman. And he's been working on this translation of Ram Charitamanas, the Tulsidas Ramayana, which is the version of the Ramayana that I'm, that we in North India read mostly. So that's, um, there's two new translations. So I'm checking those out. I'm also reading a book by an incredible, wonderful Lama called Tulkutunda called Peaceful Death, Joyous Rebirth. The Tibetans, they, they have investigated what goes on after we leave the body. They seem to have a big, uh, a real uh, a good idea of what happens in that period between births. And so, I, since I'm getting close closer to that every minute, I just have been getting more interested in that transition and what 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 I could, how I could approach that in a in a uh, more open way. Please do a chant and say some words of hope to the devastated people affected by the natural disaster flooding in Australia, northern New South Wales. Where in this world isn't there horror at this point? Where? Everywhere. Everywhere. There's so much going on. It's extraordinary. Climate change is changing the way things grow, the way, what, what we, where we can go, what we can do, the, the, the Antarctic, the Arctic, the, 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 the glaciers in the Arctic are melting so fast, they say that the coastlines of the continents are going to be changing within some years. It's just unbelievable what's going on now. Um, I don't know uh, of course, I don't mean to be simplistic or, and or or insensitive, but every chant we do is for for overcoming suffering. Every single one, and we offer all that. See, at the, at the end of every chanting session, what do I say? I say how we all. If we, if we know anything about a path, we owe it to the great beings who have gone before us. 
right? And then I say, in the same way that they wish for us, we wish that all beings be safe and happy and healthy and free of suffering. It's a full-time job. It's, there's not like one little thing you can do to make it all. Everything that we do on the path, we dedicate for everyone as best we can. So, of course, you know, I, I all my best wishes to everybody who's suffering. People in Australia, the people of the Ukraine who have had to leave their country, their, their homes and hospitals are getting bombed. Uh, war crimes are being committed every day. It's horrific. And yet, we owe it to not only ourselves, but everyone we need to try to keep our hearts open and available to all beings at all times. So... I said in the documentary, Windfall of Grace, that some devotees worship Maharaji as Shiva. You know, um, before we get into that, you know, we use these names. We say Shiva, Rama, Krishna, all these. We, we talk about a lot of things as if we know what we're talking about. I don't know who Shiva is. So when... I say that I met devotees who saw Maharaji as Shiva. All I know is the words. I can't see what they saw. They were experiencing Shiva, whoever and whatever that feels like. I don't know that. Uh, what I, I do understand a little bit intellectually that Shiva sent his energy through the wind god into the baby Hanuman. And so Hanuman is considered to be a manifestation of Shiva's energy, of Shiva. Shiva wanted to help Ram in the war against Ravana, the demons. So he sent his energy, Amsha, his energy, into the baby Hanuman, giving him all the powers of the supreme beings. And so Hanuman served Ram, who is Vishnu, who is the, the supreme being, and uh, helped him overcome and re restored Dharma and harmony to the earth at that time and destroy the demons. So it seems like Shiva, in a sense, is a bump up, if you could even say that, from, from the level of where Hanuman and Ram incarnated. Shiva, Vishnu, they're, they're another level up. And so maybe those devotees of Maharaji saw him in a very deep way. But who knows? All I know is that there was this one guy named Vishwambar, very a poor man from Aligarh, a poor town. 
And he was rough. He was a rough guy. Rough, not angry rough, but just, he wasn't a polished, sophisticated person. He was very earthy, simple. When he used to come to Kenshi, he would bring all the gear that he needed to do, to worship Maharaji. And he would sing Shiva mantras to Maharaji. And then when he was finishing his puja, he would do an arti. He would sing a Shiva arti, a hymn to Shiva at the end. And he would, tears would be streaming down his face just, and he'd be singing, you know, and he would go into samadhi, just, just, just singing to Maharaji. Need I say that that made an impression? <laughs> I want that. That's what I said. I want that. So, and then, of course, my dear father, Mr. Tuari, he was a devotee of Shiva. That was his main, Shiva and the goddess and everything else, Hanuman Maharaj. But Shiva Puja was his main thing. And uh, he saw Maharaji as Shiva. And Maharaji encouraged that. He would ask him one day, he told me this story. He said one time they were down by this river in Lucknow. And they're walking by the river and Maharaji says to Tawari, okay, sit down and let's sit down. I want you to do your Shiva puja now. Now, his, his pujas went on for three hours, four hours. And he had taken a vow that once he sat down to do puja, he could not get up until it was over. So when Maharaji asked him to sit down and do puja, he said, no. <laughs> and Maharaji said, yeah, I do. I want, let's sit down. I want you to do your puja. And I said, no, I won't do it now. He said, why? Why won't you? Because the minute I sit down, you'll, you'll run away. And you know I'll be stuck there for three or four hours all by myself. And Maharaji said, no, no I won't do it. I'll stay. And no, you won't. And, you know, so he made Maharaji promise, this is like cross your heart, hope to die in India. You pull your earlobes and you promise, you, you value to make a promise. So then they sat down and Tawari began his puja. Of course, he knew the whole thing by heart, hours and hours of mantras. And he starts going and going and going. And it went on for three and a half, four hours. The minute he said the last mantra, Maharaji leaps up and says, you miserable guy, you kept me here. I have work to do. And he ran away. Ah, oh, the beauty of the interplay, of the play of the devotee and the beloved is so extraordinary. That's what we, we experienced in India that we saw that. We didn't have that in America. I never saw it in America. But in India, I saw it everywhere. The way People express themselves towards the beloved, towards the guru, towards the deities, towards the great beings. I just wanted more and more of that. Do I have any not so well known KK stories? Hmm. I don't know. The brain is a terrible thing to, to have lost. I'm trying to remember KK stories. Hmm. 
KK, you know, he grew up in Maharaji's lap from the eight years old on. His father had been a devotee of Haryakan Maharaj. That's this being right here. See, oh, over here, right there above my fingers. That is Haryakan Baba, the original Hari, the, the real Haryakan Baba. He was a very great saint, unbelievable yogi. And KK's father had been a devotee of his. He left the body sometime in the 30s before Maharaja showed up. Many people seem to believe that Maharaji was a re, the reincarnation of Haryakan Maharaj. So the first time Maharaja came to KK's house, he was greeted by, by KK's father. And KK's father and Maharaji said to him, Take me to the room where Haryakan Baba used to stay. And apparently, Haryakan, there was a room in the house that when Haryakan Baba wanted to disappear and be away from people, he would go to, to KK's father's house and they gave him a room where he could stay and they would feed him and take care of him and he wouldn't meet people. No one would know he was there. And no one knew about this except KK's family. Maybe, yeah. So when Maharaji arrives there the first time, he says to KK's father, he said, show me the room where Haryakan Baba used to go. So KK's father was really shocked. He takes him to the room, and when they were in the room alone, Maharaji looked at his father, KK's father, and said, you're still doing the mantra? And KK's father was really shocked because Haryakan Baba had given him a mantra and told him, not only don't tell anyone who, what the mantra is, but don't tell anyone that I've given you a mantra, that I've initiated you in mantra. And he never did. No one knew that. Maharaji knew. So KK grew up in Maharaji's lap as a kid. He was like his grandfather. And KK's nature was very childlike and his relationship with Maharaji was like a spoiled grandchild with his grandfather and as far as the physical plane goes it was because of KK that I was able to meet Maharaji I had been traveling with Ramdas for a year and a half or so and I decided I wanted to go to India and meet Maharaji. But in those days, no one knew Maharaji's name. And no one knew where to find him. Because Ramdas had been instructed not to talk about Maharaji. But of course, all he could do was talk about him. But he never said his name or where, he, where his places were. So Ramdas said to me, well, you know, you can go, but I can't tell you how to find him. I said, that's okay. No, I'm going to, I'll find him anyway. So Ramdas, I didn't have any idea what, you know, about India. So Ramdas said, okay, okay, wait a minute. Why don't you, here, write to KK. Here's his address. Write to my friend KK and then see what happens. So I wrote to KK. And a couple of weeks later, I got a letter back saying uh, Maharaji was no longer in the hills at his temple at Kenshi. Uh-huh. Now I have a name. 
but he was due to return soon. And when he did return, KK said that he would take my letter to Maharaji and then he would write back to me. And see, after what Maharaji said, he would ask Maharaji if I could come. So in the meantime, Ramesh Radas wrote and Danny Goldman, Jagannath Das wrote. So there were three letters. So KK, uh, so a couple of weeks later, I got a letter back and I, I think I've showed it. Here it is. This is the letter I got back. There it is. There it is for you Instagram people. And here's what it says. Sri Maharaji has arrived here at Kenchi, and we hope he will be here for, for the next one or two months. Uh, then he says, I was able to uh, show your letter to him and also tell him the feelings of the other members of the satsang. And the, 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 all this has been brought to his esteemed notice. Then KK writes, I hope Baba Ramdas must have told you about Sri Maharaji, who does not show any kind of enthusiasm or sentiment in calling the devotees to him, and personalities like him would not commit themselves to anything. So it would be, not be advisable to make the journey especially and specifically for the purpose only of meeting Maharaji. However, if you happen to be visiting India and come here, you can have his darshan, you can see him, as so many do day in and day out. Baba has an open door for all, without any distinction of rich or poor, believer or non-believer, etc. And it all depends on the sincerity devotion, and earnestness of an aspirant. So now it is up to you to come and have his darshan or not. It's up to you. That's what he wrote. So all I saw was a green light. If it's up to me, I'm going. And of course, I went with Rameshwaras and Jagannath, Danny, and we went and we met. The very first day we got there, KK was at Kenchi with Maharaji, and we went and met them both at the same day. Now, that's a very nice story, isn't it? Very reasonable, simple story. I wrote, he wrote back, and we went. Not exactly. Many years later, like, Ten years later, after I first went to India and met Maharaji, and KK and I had become very close, KK, when they said to me, did I ever tell you what happened that day, really happened that day? I said, no. What? He said that he went to Kenchi to see Maharaji. He came into the room, and Maharaji was sitting there on his bed talking to some other people. So KK came in and he pranamed and he sat down and he took our letters, our three letters, and he put them on the bed next to Maharaji. And then he began to peel and cut up into small pieces a soft apple, which is what people used to do because Maharaji had like three teeth. So we used to get these soft apples and cut them up in small pieces and offer them to him. So 
as he was offering Maharaji these pieces of the apple, Maharaji noticed the letters on the bed. And he said, what's that? And KK said, they're letters from students of Ramdas. They want to come have your darshan. Nay, tell them not to come. What do I have to do with this? And he went back to his conversation. So here's the beauty of the Leela, of the play. You see, when Ramdas first went to India and met Maharaji, he was sent home to KK's house, and KK was asked to serve him and take care of him. So KK's relationship with Maharaji, with Ramdas, was that he wanted to help him. That was his job, his seva that he was given by Maharaji to help Ramdas. And so by helping us, students of Ramdas, he felt he was helping Ramdas. And now Maharaji was interfering with the very service that he gave KK to do in the first place. And KK would not accept that. Another devotee would have simply written back and said, Maharaji says not to come, goodbye. And I wouldn't be here, you wouldn't be here, this house wouldn't be here, it would be a, I would have been dead a long time ago. But KK wouldn't take that from Maharaji because he was stubborn and he had this special relationship with Maharaji. So he got very upset that Maharaji was interfering with the very seva that he gave KK to do. So he began to pout. And KK could pout. He was, un he was the greatest powder in the universe. He says he began to pout and he looked down like this and he stopped feeding Maharaji the apple. And he was looking down like he was so upset with Maharaji. He was, and he said, and he wouldn't look at Maharaji. He said Maharaji would push his head up, KK's head up, but KK would look away. He would not look at Maharaji. And when Maharaji took his hand down, he would go back down like this. And he said this happened a few times. And finally, Maharaji threw his hands up and he says, okay, tell him what you want. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you want. Okay, so now, however, if you happen to be visiting India and come here, you can have his darshan, as so many do, day in and day out. Baba has an open door, etc. He didn't lie. He said, Maharaji does not incur, he shows no kind of enthusiasm or sentiment in calling the devotees to him. He told the truth, but he also told more truth. If you happen to be here, you can see him. And that's how we got there. And that's how we're here now, right now. It's incredible. I would have been dead 40 years ago, guaranteed. I was just not programmed to be able to stay alive. I, I didn't have it. I didn't have the, the wiring. I was too depressed, too unhappy, too neurotic, too fucked up. I wasn't going to make it. But this is the way it worked out so far. So that's a story about KK. KK loved Ramdas so much. They were really 
brothers from another life. They were very close. And when Ramdas left the body, KK didn't want to be on the earth without him. And he died within a couple of weeks, I think, of Ramdas, at the most a few weeks. He just didn't want to be here. I called KK about a week after Ramdas left. And we just were on, on the phone silent for like 20 minutes. We couldn't talk, neither one of us. So he just left. How did it feel being around Maharaji in person? I see the eyes of the devotees looking at him in photos, and it's incredible. Yes, it is still incredible. If you imagine in your, your uh, deepest imagination of what love, what, what you want to feel like, what you're, what you're looking for, what it's going to feel like, when and if you find that, that the, the, one, the thing you're looking for more than anything, that's what it was like being with him. And yet each one of us had their own, it had a different flavor for each one of us. Some saw him as a great master, some saw him as a friend, some saw him as father or mother, some saw him as master and servant. Each one of us had our own relationship with him. And he, he was, he, he was, he was that for each one of us, a different, he showed each one of us something different, what we needed to see. It was, it is extraordinary because it's, it hasn't stopped. It still goes on. That feeling is no longer available in a body out there, but the feeling is still, it was never out there. The feeling was always in here. It takes a little recalibrating to not be looking for it outside, but to look for it inside, which is where it truly is. So, how you would feel when all your dreams come true, that's how it felt. And that's how it still feels in his presence, just like that. How can one escape from the habit loop? Well, it ain't easy because habits, we spend a lot, of, a lot of time nourishing our bad, destructive, negative habits. So they're not going to change like that. But if we do a little regular practice every day, and during that short time of practice, we truly give ourselves to those moments and not just get carried away in dreamland. Five minutes, we just, we're going to do five minutes of japa, five minutes of watching the breath, and we really do it. We will gradually open up a deeper center of gravity in ourselves. So when that habit kicks in, 
we, sooner or later, we will get more of a vote as to how we deal with the urge to satisfy negative habitual programs. It takes time, it takes dedication, it takes sincerity, and it takes really wanting to be free. The problem is we like those habits. We get off on that stuff. It feeds us in a certain kind of way. And we there's a part of us that really needs that. It's not, it, it, it's not a mistake. There's a part of us that gets something from our habitual behaviors that we need to get through the day. In some ways, it's like, you know how you're driving and the, you push the clutch in. It's one of the ways of like disconnecting from whatever's going on and just kind of checking out of, of the world for a while. <clears throat> so it's not easy to change that, but you certainly can. And there are many different techniques for doing that. And you, you can find all kinds of counseling, therapies, NA, AA, meditation, mindfulness, japa. There's so many things you can do. Hatha yoga, pranayama, everything you can do to, to loosen up that immediate response to the, when the habit, the urge arises. Maharaji said, you want it? Don't take it. That's too difficult. I couldn't do that. I had to take it. I took it for years and years and years. Whatever it was, all kinds of different stupid negative habits. But ultimately, you can get to a place where the habit no longer runs your life. You may never get free of the, of the, <clears throat> of the lust for that habitual thing. But you can get free of the compulsion to act on it. Most definitely you can. But it ain't easy. And one has to really get in touch with how much those habits are hurting you. How much those habits cripple us. How much those habits keep us closed down. And, and, and how, how much those habits shut our hearts down and prevent us from feeling better about ourselves and, and finding real love in the world. The more you get in touch with the suffering that comes from those habits, the more aware you will be of how that habit controls you and the more you'll be able to let go of it. Day by day, every day is new, every minute is new.
Okay, so uh, somebody's saying, you just mentioned keeping one's heart open in face of so much calamity in the world. Can you please elaborate on how best to deal with heavy-heartedness and grief uh, despite anchoring into the heart and maintaining one's practice? That's it. You have to maintain your practice. But for quite a while, the practice is not really freeing you from the suffering. It's a, a, it's a practice. It means you have to practice. And gent eventually you learn how to play the guitar or the piano. Little by little, you practice every day. You get good at it. This is a pra- these practices free us from all negative emotions. Ultimately, they free us from the very things within us that cause us suffering. Whether it's our, the way we, we react to the outside world or to the inside world. So there's no shortcuts. But one has to commit to wanting to be a good human being. And to care about others. And not care so much about it. how do I feel today? How I feel? Who gives a shit how I feel? I don't even care how I feel most of the time anymore. I'm up, I'm down. Who cares? I don't care. Why should I think about it? It comes, it goes. But most of our lives is spent, how do we feel now? Is this okay? Should I add a little bit of this? Should I take a little bit of that away? Should I have more of this or less of this? What should I do to feel a special way that I want to feel? You know, that is really the root of all suffering. The fact that we care about ourselves more than anyone else and how we feel. I have to feel, okay, well, the world is wrong. I have to change it. No, it's not like that. One has to allow all kinds of experiences to come and go without being destroyed by them. And you only get that strength from spiritual practice and from coming into contact with the beings who have conquered suffering, overcome all suffering. Read about those beings. Get to know those beings. How did they do it? How did they see the world? Those are the books I read. You want to know what I read? That's what I read. I read the biographies of saints, of yogis, of of great beings, because that's what interests me. How do I get to that place? Okay. So you keep singing. You keep singing. You keep chanting. Like Maharaji said, at first you may not have any feelings of devotion or love or peace or joy. But you have to keep chanting. You have to keep doing your practice. Because if you don't plant the seeds, nothing will grow. The practice is planting the seeds. When they grow, how they grow is not up to us. It's up to us to plant the seeds. Little by little, those seeds will start to grow. And then the heart will be cleaned 
of all the dark coverings. And then we'll begin to feel lighter and more in tune and more open and more available and more kind and more compassionate, more caring and not so obsessed with me, me, me all the time. And then Maharaji says, and then you'll call out one day from the heart and the real realm will come. The, re the reality will dawn on us and then we'll be free. But it's a process. And we have to understand that it's a process. It's not instant gratification. There's no button. The buttons we push don't work forever. They bring temporary experiences and they, they help us avoid suffering, but that only makes it worse. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. So you keep doing your practice and you try to treat people as well as you can. And you try not to think about yourself all the time. It's not easy, but nothing is easy. But there's no downside to practice. There's no downside to the Dharma, to, to the real teachings. They're available to everyone. And if we're pulled to investigate what these teachings are about, that's already the result of our own karmas, having been involved with this before.
sun cut the cutte, mete sabatira, cho sumere hono matta balabir. Je, 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 hono man gosai, kropakaro Satabara Pata Karakoi Chutahi Bandi Mahasutahoi Joya Pare Hanuman Chalisa Hoya Siddhi Saki Gaurisa Tulasindasa Sada Hari Chera Ki Jenata Hurdaya Mahadev Havanatanaya Sankatta Harana Mangala Murati Rupa Sita Sahita Purdaya Sura Bhupa Siyavara Ramachandra Padaje
question you just asked what mantra we should do to overcome negativity and bring peace to the world well for me that mantra is Hanuman Chalisa and Sri Ram Jai Ram Jai Jai Ram this lineage from Maharaji is all about Hanuman it's all about service it's all about overcoming negativity, adversity, and finding real love, real life. So, if you learn Hanuman Chalisa and sing it, and offer that practice to the world, there's nothing better we could do. So, that would be an answer to that question. If we know anything about a path at all, it's only because of the great beings that have gone before us 
out of their love, out of their kindness, they left some footprints for us to follow. So, in the same way that they wish for us, in the same way that they wish for us, we wish that all beings everywhere, all of us be safe, all of us be happy, that all of us have good health and enough to eat. And may we all live in peace and at ease of heart with whatever comes to us in life. Shine.